this morning. We are honored that we get to do life together. One of our core values is to bridge the generations. And so we hope um, that you can see the intentionality. We're trying to bring people together. And speaking of that, today is graduation Sunday. And so we have a few people. That's right. Uh, that we want to celebrate and highlight as a church. And so, uh, real quickly, I just want to embarrass you for just a quick moment, but this is the season and the time. If you are a graduate in the house, would you stand up for me real quick? Stand up for me. We got some guys over here. Can you guys give it up for our graduates? You guys are awesome. It's a big feat. You should be proud. But real quickly, uh, I just want to come together as a church and pray for the next step. Pray for the next season that these uh, fine young men and ladies are going to be walking through. And so just join me as a church. If you would, we're going to pray together here right now for them. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much, and we are just coming to you thankful, thankful hearts that uh, these graduates were able to accomplish something great, finishing high school and moving on to what is next. God, I pray that you would just give them supernatural peace as they get ready to take these next steps. God, I pray that you would protect their hearts. I pray that you would open up their hearts and minds to receive your truth, your wisdom, and your direction, God. We're praying that you place a hedge of protection over them as they embark on these new journeys. And I pray that we as families and as a church uh, just want them to know, God, that they are not alone, that we are walking with them through this next season. Also, God, most importantly, that you are going to be walking with them through this next season. And I just pray that you give them discernment, God. Give them wisdom. Place a great uh, just encouragement group around them so they can know uh, the, the right way and the path that you're calling them to. We love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. You guys go ahead and have a seat. If you are a graduate in the house, we invite you to hang out just a few minutes afterwards. We have a gift for you. Uh, We have cupcakes, different things that we want to celebrate, but we have a gift bag for you right in our Connect Center. So please stop by there right after service uh, as well. Well, today uh, we have a special moment uh, because every now and then we just will do a series, right, a group of teachings, and then we'll stop and do what uh, I call a standalone message where uh, I get to open up the Bible and just wherever it falls. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that. Uh, But I just begin to pray and say, God, where, what do you want me to speak on? What is, what do you want to do right now in this season? And so uh, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 16, 1 Samuel chapter 16. We're going to be there in just a few moments. And, but before we get there, I want to kind of set a few things up. If you know who I am, my name is Daniel Kaznave. I'm the pastor here at the Bridge Church. And uh, we have the honor and privilege to do this thing together, to live life together. We have a saying here, uh, we are in this together. And so that's what we're living out each and every Sunday. Uh, But uh, because it's graduation Sunday and because we're here together, uh, do you remember one of your first jobs? Do you remember one of your very first jobs? Uh, When I was in high school, my parents, they gave me the option. They said, hey, you get after school, you got to play sports or you got to get a job. They kind of said, hey, those are one of the things you got to do. You got to find something to do or, hey, you got to join band or be in a club, whatever it is. And so uh, most of the time I jumped into sports. But 
then uh, over the summers, and if I wasn't playing sports, I would work. I would find different jobs. And one of my very first jobs uh, was being a lifeguard at this place called Atlanta Beach. If you've ever been to Georgia, it's right outside of Atlanta. It's where I grew up. And there was this place called a beach, and it's a man-made beach. And it's kind of had this sand, and they dug this big hole and dumped a whole bunch of water in it and then dumped a whole bunch of people in it. So it was very sanitary. You know, it was pretty awesome. But, uh, but we were lifeguards. And I remember training, and as a 16-year-old, uh, they taught us how to do CPR. They taught us how to use the, uh, I forget what it's called. They put the heart monitor on you. Anyway, and so they taught us all that. So it, during training, it felt really, really important, like, wow, this is pretty cool. This is pretty incredible, right? And I get to learn CPR, and I know this knowledge that maybe I can help someone. They taught us how to save people, how to jump in. And uh, we had all of these different stands around this Atlanta Beach, and we would all want, like, these three or four stands because it was in the deepest part. And then with their, whoever designed this, with great knowledge, they placed this trampoline with this big blob right in the deepest part, right in the middle. And so everybody wanted that stand because kids would come out there and they would go on this blob and get rocket launched way up in the air and then hit the water and come up all discombobulated and we would have to jump in and save them. So, of course, that's the stand we wanted. We were all excited. And I remember the day that I got to that stand and it was kind of the first time and I was like, oh, this is it. I'm going to jump in like 37 times today. It's going to be amazing. I wanted to be where the action was. And I remember seeing this kid come up and he could barely kind of swim and I was like, this is it. This is my day, right? Like, I can't wait. And I know that kind of sounds bad. But anyway, he's coming up, he's swimming up, and he's getting ready to go to this trampoline. And as he's climbing up this trampoline, all of a sudden, I have this sinking feeling in my gut. I don't know if you've ever experienced this before. And I remember thinking, I'm like, well, wait a second. What if I, what if I have to jump in? And what if I actually have to do some of the things I'm trained? Like, what if this is like a real life or death situation, right? And I remember thinking as a 16-year-old, like, wait a second. I'm not ready for this. I haven't had enough training. And I just had this like sinking feeling of fear and worry. And then all of a sudden now I have this doubt, right? I'm like, oh, I'm not ready. I don't know enough. Why would you? This is so irresponsible. You put a 16-year-old out here, right? All these questions in my mind I begin to think about. And as I think about that story, it reminded me of the message that I want to talk about today. Because there are seasons in your life and my life, especially seasons of transition, where we move from one season of life to the next. And I sometimes when I have those transition seasons, I can have those same kind of gut check emotions of, wait a second, I don't know what's going to happen. There's too many, there's more questions than answers. There's more uncertainty than certainty, right? And all of a sudden then, then that we have this fear begins to come over. Like, I'm not ready. Like, I, maybe graduates in the house, you're like, wait a second, I'm not ready. Or maybe you're probably thinking, I'm definitely ready, right? But we, we wrestle with these emotions. Or maybe if you're in the house and you get a new job. Or maybe for the first time, you're bringing the kid home for the first time. Or uh, you're, you're, uh, who was toddlers now moving into a new season? And you're like, they're calling me things like bra and all. Like, what's happening here? This is different. I'm not ready for this, right? And we just carry that season of, of I don't, I'm not sure what I'm called to do. Or maybe God's called you to do something. Maybe you become a small group leader for the first time. Or you start to serve for the very first time. And, and, and you begin to think about, wait a second, what if they ask me these questions? What if what if I'm not I don't feel like I'm trained God I'm just not ready for this there's just there's too much going on God you're expecting too much of me right 
And we feel this pressure, we feel this weight, and there's this incredible person in the Bible who can, when we look at his life and we look at what God called him to do and the responsibility and the weight that God called him to and placed on his shoulders, we can look at his life and see how God led him to handle it. And you and I, we can pull some principles from it to help us in those seasons, to help us to to push forward and experience the abundant life that God has called us to. And so we're going to look here in 1 Samuel chapter 16, and it's a man named David, okay? And if you grew up in church, don't check out on me, okay? Because you're like, oh, great. Here's David, Daniel, David and Goliath. Here we are. But I want you to lean in right here because this story is so impactful. And in fact, I'm, I'm going to get to the awesome David and Goliath moment, but at first you have to know the backstory. Because if you know the backstory of David before he gets to the Goliath, you're going to see that this story is way more impactful, way more inciting, insightful for you and I as we dive into it. And so we have this young man named David. And in order to understand where David is in his life is that God called his people, the Israelite people, right? And he appointed them a king. And there's this king named Saul. And Saul becomes this ruler. But then Saul, he starts to get a big head. He starts to think that he can run it all. He thinks he has the right answers. And God looks down. And in fact, Samuel is the other Bible character who is a prophet. And if you look at the Old Testament, God calls prophets to be what you and I would almost call the middleman, where he would speak to the prophets and the prophets would go and speak to God's people or they would challenge or call out something and saying, hey, you're not following God's way. Or they would call and begin to help them make decisions of going, God told me to tell you this. And so we see this prophet Samuel who goes to God and he's saying, God, the the king that you have appointed, Saul, he's he's not leading the way that you've called him to. And in fact, he's leading people astray and I'm not sure what to do. And God reaches down and begins to speak to Samuel and goes, Samuel, look, I want you to understand I'm calling a new king. And in fact, I want you to go to this man named Jesse's house. And Jesse's house is important because we read in the book of Matthew that the through the lineage of Jesse, house that the Messiah would soon come, Jesus. And so uh, Samuel gets ready, he gets everything going, and he goes over to Jesse's house, this man Jesse's house, and he has a plethora of sons, okay? Now, I, I'm blessed to have four kids, and I feel like it's crazy enough. Can you imagine this? You're, you're going to see here in this First Samuel chapter 16 the uh, impact that Jesse has with his sons here. And so First Samuel chapter 16, this is where we pick up. Everybody doing okay? All right, verse, chapter 16, verse 6. We're going to have it on the screens for you as well, but this is what it says. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see the things the way that you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son, Abinab, 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 all right, if you guys are taking baby names, jot these down, Abinab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemaiah, but Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. 
Then Samuel asked, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down and eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark, handsome, with beautiful eyes, much like Dave. Anyway, I'm messing with you. You get okay. Um, and the Lord said, This is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought down and anointed David with oil. And this is it. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. We see this story where Samuel comes to Jesse and he begins to look at these seven sons. And God tells Samuel, one of these sons you're going to anoint as the next king. And so as Jesse, he gets excited. He's going, oh, I'm, it's probably my oldest. He is so, he is athletic. He is smart. He is, oh, he looks like a king. And he, pres- I don't know what it looks like to present your sons before a prophet to be the next king of Israel. I'm talking about thousands, if not a million people, right? Like you're getting ready to be anointed. And so he is presenting them across. And Samuel's like, nope. Not him. And then the next one comes across, right? And can you imagine being the sons? The first one goes, the second one goes. I'm not sure, like, do they change their walk up? You know, it's like one walking tall and proud. One's like sitting down, whatever it may be, but they lean in. He's like, nope, that's not the one either. Nope, that's not the one either. And then Samuel says something that I believe is so impactful for you and I. It says, the Lord doesn't see the things the way that you see them. You and I, that is good news because God can not only see what is happening right now in your life and my life, but God can see the past, the present and the future. God knows what happened when the world began and he knows what's going to happen at the end of times, right? Like he knows it all and he knows all of those pieces and you and I can just see one small puzzle piece. And so you and I have to trust God because he doesn't see things the way that we see them. He can see further. He can see above and in fact, fact he can see the heart of man the next line says that god judges the heart of man not just the appearance and so you and i may be looking at something by just the appearance and god is going wait i closed that door to protect you or i I made this happen or this person moved out of your life because i wanted to protect you because i wanted to move you or i'm moving this person into your life even though you're not sure why so that i can grow you so i can teach you something right because god is looking at the heart and if you're taking notes on the first thing that i want us to get here especially in seasons of transition when god is trying to work in us and God's trying to work through us a principle that you and I can take away is that our faithfulness starts with our heart that you see all throughout scripture that God always points to your heart and my heart first he's saying I want to change you from the inside out because if it happens the other way around you and I can turn into Pharisees right where we can check off all the religious boxes. Oh, I attended church and I did this and I did that. But yet then we miss the relationship of God. I love this saying. Somebody told me this when I was a teenager and I've remembered it ever since. But you and I, we need to focus on our character and let our reputation take care of itself. Because where we get in trouble is, is when we try to create a reputation of ourselves. And if that's all we care about, then we will surrender our character in order to get a better reputation in the moment, right? But if you and I, you go, you know what? My job is to focus on my character. My job is to focus on being obedient to what God's word says. And I need to trust him with the consequences. I need to trust him where it leads me. I need to trust him where it takes me. And God begins to shape your heart and my heart 
heart so that no matter what's going on around us, we know that we have the peace of God resting in us and through us. We know that God cares more about who we are than what we're doing, right? Like he cares about the what. We just did a whole series on being a force for good and we have called to do good works. But more importantly, he wants to know who you and I are. And he wants you to know that your heart matters because I can remember days and nights when my heart wasn't right, but yet I was trying to do all of these good things. But when my head hit the pillow at night, I still had this restless feeling. Come on, God, I'm missing something because God was doing a work in me and he may be doing a work in you because if he can get it in you, then he can get it through you to someone else. And then it could be a moment or a season of transition. It can be a calm, peaceful, joyful, rejoiceful time, right? But then it could be the hardest moments of our life because when we get squeezed, what is in us comes out of us, right? And if our heart is right with God, then we can know that it's going to flow through me. It's going to flow out of me. And David here in this moment he understands this because God begins to teach him this and can you imagine most scholars believe that David was anywhere between the ages of 12 and 16 and here is this prophet kind of this prophets back in those times were almost kind of like wild men they would declare crazy things or they would say certain things and there's prophets in the old testament that that prayed literal fire down from heaven right like and so this prophet comes and he shows up and he tells David, David walks in. He's not even in the room. His dad didn't even consider him for this next position, right? He goes through all six sons, and Samuel's like, this isn't it. Do you have anybody else? And they go, actually, yeah, we do. We have our youngest, but we didn't even invite him. Because you, you probably don't want to talk to him. He's In fact, he's out keeping the sheep and the goats, right? And David, out the young kid, they call him in, and David comes in. And can you imagine the room when David walks in of all of his older brothers and his dad, and Samuel looks at him and goes, yep, that's the next king. Here he is, right? And then he anoints him with oil. And get this, this is the crazy thing, is that they anoint David, right? But David doesn't become king until he's 30 years old. So he has this moment, this supernatural guy shows up out of nowhere, pulls him out of the field and goes, hey, you're going to be the next king of Israel. All right, have fun with the sheep and goats, right? And the, the prophet leaves. And I'm sure David's like, well, what do I do now? What do I, what do I do? But David here in this moment, right, he goes back to what he knows and he continues to be faithful right where he is at, where God has called him right now in the moment. He didn't try to muster things up. He didn't hit the town and start positioning his reputation, right? He didn't start going around going, did y'all see what happened in the house today? Samuel came. I'm the next king of Israel. Put my face on everything, right? No, he went right back to the field because God gave him a promise, right? But he didn't move him into the position until he walked them through a process. Because you and I know when you and I uh, move to another level of position, it's another level of responsibility. And responsibility is weight, right? Like we have to first learn how to uh, engage and walk with God in our own heart first. And then when we start discipling or investing in a friend or trying to help someone else out, that's another weight of life, right? All of a sudden you come home with this kid, that's some serious weight, right? You, somebody comes to you and says, hey, can you help me out with this problem that I'm going through? That is weight, right? 
And God is saying, if, I, if you want to be elevated, if you want to move to another level, another position, there is a process that God wants to walk us through because he wants you and I to make sure we can handle the weight in it. And the weight of that position won't crush our character. Because if you've seen somebody who's been elevated too fast, right, and all of a sudden their character wasn't able to catch up with the responsibility that they have, it's all of a sudden it's like they get there and they're running wild and they're not sure what to do I'm not because I'm not grounded. It's not coming out of me and flowing through me, right? And Because you may walk into work and go, I'm ready to be the boss. I'm ready to be the CEO. This is the third day I've been here, right? I'm ready to go. Like, here's my ideas. Here I can make it happen. But to be the boss, you got to understand there's some weight to it right there's some responsibility there's a lot of different pieces and God is going I want you to trust me in the process and in fact if you and I will fall in love with the process of walking with God day in and day out if we fall in love with that process because that's where the relationship is you and I don't have to wrestle with, well, look how, look at them getting that promotion. Look at what they're getting and how this is happening and look at what's happening there. And the fastest way for you and I to crush something special is to compare it to something else, right? Can look at their, where they're at in life or what their job is doing or how much they're making or whatever this is and going, why is that not me? And we forget and can ne neglect the beautiful things that God is doing in us. And this is the thing about David is David is out in the fields. I got to hurry and move on because we got to get to the, the exciting part, right? But anyway, y'all are good for like three hours? No? Okay, okay. Miss Deborah is in the back. But um, as we get here, this is the beautiful thing is that David goes back with the sheeps and the goats. And he, his role, where his mindset is, is I'm going to be faithful where I am with what I have. And as he begins to understand this, if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this down, that you and I need to be faithful. God uses where we are to prepare us for where we are going. God uses where we are to prepare us for where we are going. And you may feel like I, I, I'm, I'm in a spot where I don't know what to do next. You wake up on Monday and pursue God with everything you have and be faithful where you are. God, I want to do the right thing right now because I promise you there is a principle here. And I want to read you this scripture uh, that's, that's pretty life-changing for you and I. And it's right here in uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 10. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. And God is saying, I want to prepare your heart so that you can understand what it means to be faithful with a little. Because when I give you a lot, I need your heart to be in the right place, right? We think about money. It's one of those things, right, where we carry that weight of going, if I just had a million dollars, whoo, I would be happy. My home would be happy. I would be joyful. It would be smooth sailing from here, right? But as the old saying from the prophet goes, more money, more problems. Just kidding. That's not a prophet. But anyway, as you think about all of these different scenarios and situations, God wants you to know that I want you to not be crushed by the weight of that responsibility. God cares way too much about you, about your family. And if you and I aren't faithful with the little, He's not going to give the increase for more. 
He's saying, I want you to be faithful right now with what it is. One of my favorite stories of um, the Chick-fil-A owner, if you guys know the Chick-fil-A, the owner is Truett Cathy. And I grew up in Jonesboro, Georgia, on the south side of Atlanta. And that's where uh, the area where Chick-fil-A started. And there's a story where he's sitting in the conference room and they're like, what do we need to do to increase and grow our business? What do we, we need to do this and we need to do that. And here's all these ideas and here's all these strategies. And there's a story of Truett Cathy. All of a sudden he stops. And he begins to beat his hands on the table, and he goes, no, if we get better, people will demand that we get bigger. If we focus on where we are right now, we get so good that people will line up to get what we have because we're doing it so well with such excellence, right? And he's using this biblical principle of going, we need to be faithful where we are. Now you and I stand in line for like 20 minutes with people running beside us with iPads, right? Because... They're devoted to that principle. And you and I, that's what he's saying in your life and my life. Be faithful where you are, the job you have right now, the the family you have right now, and the marriage that you have right now. God is saying, I want you to be faithful right now with the friendships that you have right now. He's saying, make your word a little smaller and saying, this is what I'm calling you to. First, I'm going to start with your heart. Then I'm going to start with the relationships that you have in your life right now. Now And David, there's this beautiful story where uh, we see this, this truth begin to happen. In verse 13, here in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, I said, this is it. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And then if you read verse 14, it says, the Spirit of the Lord left Saul. And at that moment, both of their lives changed. In the Old Testament, we don't, they didn't have the promise that you and I have now. In Ephesians chapter 1, we see that the seal of our salvation is the Holy Spirit dwelling in believers, that we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive God himself living in us, walking with us so that we can be spirit-led, right? But in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would fall on a person for a period of time, or then the Spirit may leave and fall on another person and anoint them for a moment in time and so we see this where the holy spirit uh, leaves saul for this moment and then falls on uh, david and right there in that moment his life changes forever because here's the thing david is being faithful where he's at and then there's this story where this this uh, spirit is tormenting saul who is the current king right and the current king he's getting these nightmares he's being tormented day and night and he can't sleep at night and, he, and then he gets this idea, I need somebody to come play for me, to soothe my mind, to soothe my, my heart. And all of a sudden, somebody goes, hey, there's this young like worship leader. He's out in the pasture uh, with the goats and the sheep, and he plays the harp. Ooh, when he plays the harp, it is so good. You should have him come and play for you. David didn't arrange this. David is being faithful where he's at with what he has. And then all of a sudden, they go and sin for David, and David comes, and he begins to play for Saul. And when David plays for Saul, the Bible says that the spirit, the tormenting spirit leaves Saul and gives him this soothing spirit about him. And this is a principle for you and I. As a Christ follower, your presence is not just your presence. When you go to work or when you go home or you go to the hospital, you go into your neighborhood, your presence is not just your presence. The holy living God. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me. Your presence is not just your presence. Peace comes with you. Hope comes with you. Love, joy, patience, self-control comes with you everywhere you go. That is
is the promise of God that you and I have. And we see this reflected in David, that you and I don't have to carry the weight of I have to change the world. No, I carry the weight of going, God, let me get as close to you, close to you as I can so that when I do go to work, so that when I do follow up with my friends, when I do uh, hang out in my neighborhood, people notice that somebody else is with me. People notice that I have this this difference about me and I, I, I need to know what it is because I've seen what you've gone through. I've seen what you're walking through and and still you, you have come out the other side. And David continues to be faithful right where he's at. He's walking through this process. Right. And then uh, David's dad comes to him and says, hey, your your brothers are off fighting in war. And I'm going to make these sandwiches and I want you to go take them this food. Right. Here's David. Doesn't seem like a pretty big task. I mean, he's taking lunch right to his brothers. Uh, this is a pretty menial task. This is David being faithful where he's at with what he has. And he goes and he takes this lunch bag to his brothers. And what you have to know is, is that the Philistines are fighting the Israelites. David's brothers is, of course, with the Israelites. And he's following King Saul. King Saul's up in his tent. And back in those days, they would face off kind of, uh, there's a huge valley and a mountain on this side and a mountain on this side. And they would face up on these two mountaintops and they would send their best warriors down. And they they would let those two warriors fight. And if they want, didn't want a bunch of people to die in this battle, they would bring these two warriors. And the winner would uh, go out and say, okay, well, you won. Well, the Philistines, they had this man named Goliath. And in fact, the Bible says Goliath was about nine feet tall. It talks about his armor weighed 125 pounds. I mean, that's almost like, I mean, that's carrying uh, two of my kids. I mean, he's literally holding them up, right? He's got a spear, a giant man, and he comes out into the valley every single day taunting the Israelites going, come on, anybody, send your best warrior down. And when David gets there, he has been doing this for 40 days. That's a month and a half for 40 days. This Goliath has been walking out and the Israelites, every time he walks out, they're just kind of looking at each other like, no, that's not me. He's not talking to me. He's talking to you. Right. And they're stuck in fear, paralyzed. I'm not ready. I can't do this. This is God. This is not where you've led me to. Uh, I can't write that right here back in that same moment where you and I. We have this problem or this issue or this circumstance. You're going, God, I can't do anything. And the fear can get so bad that it can paralyze us. It can hold us back, right? And David walks up and he was being faithful where he was. And he walks up and he, he brings his brother's food. I don't know. This, this is so crazy to me that he would go into the middle of battle to bring his brother food, right? Like he just comes walking up. He's like, hey, 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 excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, here's your bread. Here's your cheese. Here's your stuff. Hey, what's going on? Y'all fighting? Not yet. Okay, tomorrow, no. And then all of a sudden, Goliath comes out and Goliath begins to, to taunt the Philistines of going, what's anybody, right? This is the 40th day. Anybody come and fight me. Nobody can defeat me. Nobody can take me down and David's heart is overflowing to the point where he goes wait a second who who have y'all not done anything like do you wait you know who you are he goes back to his heart do you know who you are you are the Israelite people you are God's 
chosen people. He, you get, they got a nine-foot man coming to the valley. You have the armies of the living God with you. He's like, will nobody go and fight this man? And he goes back and he goes, you know what? I'll go. Remember, David's only probably 12 to 16 years old. Nine-foot man in the middle of the valley. But he believes, it, this is not arrogance. This is confidence of, of knowing who God is in his life. When, you, when our heart is right, we have this confidence to walk into any season of going, I'm hitting this season, and it may be scary, it may be fearful, but I know God is going with me. God is walking with me in this. And we get to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and then I'm going to close, I promise. He says this in verse 34. It says, but David persisted. He goes to Saul, and he's like, I'll go fight him. Send me out there. Of course, they're looking at him, and they're like, you're crazy, man. I'm not sending you out there. You're just a kid. You're going to get slaughtered. You can't. There's no way. And so David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. I mean, that's a resume. Come on, right? Sheep, like, look, send me out into war. I've been taking care of sheep and goats in the valley, right? Right? And then he goes on. He said, when the lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it and club it and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this with both lions and bears and i'll do it to this pagan philistine too are you kidding me right like this is a whole nother level of manhood a lion and a bear he's like oh i've been out doing sheeps and goats i'm by myself but i have this little thing called a sling and in fact if i even see a lion or come on can we just be honest here a lion or a bear i am running i'm climbing a tree i don't even know if you're supposed to do that but anyway like like all of these things right but he says no i don't even sit back i go after it I go after it, and if it attacks me, I grab a lion or a bear by the jaw, and I club it, right? Like, come on, David. This is a new kind of warrior. And he says this, and you know why? Because I've been faithful where I'm at. This is not the first time I'm going into battle and facing something I'm worried about, facing something that's bigger than me. I, I have walked through this process. God brought me a bear. Most people are terrified, not me. Let me show you my sling. I'm practicing my sling, right? I've been out with my sheeps and goats, and I've been, I got this little this stone, and I'll wind it up, and I'll throw it, and I'll kill a bear. And then a lion comes. Oh, that's even more fierce. I already killed a bear. I've been through this process with God. Let me kill this lion too. And now I'm facing this nine foot man. And I'm like, Psh, I've already killed a bear. I've already killed a lion. God was with me both of those times. So I know he's going to be with me now. And this process, when the opportunity came and the weight fell on his shoulders, when everybody else stepped back, David said, I'm stepping forward because I know God is faithful. I'm stepping forward into this. I'm not going to be passive. In fact, I'm running towards it because I know God is with me and he is calling me to this. And how dare he speak and defile the name of the living God with this confidence, right? And he sees what's in front of him and he moves forward in it. God wants the same confidence for you and for me. When we feel the weight of that fear, first we go back to who we are in Christ. We go back to the promise, right? I'm sure there were many times when David was laying in the field with his sheeps and goats going, God, th these sheeps and goats, they stink. 
You've called me to be the king. Like, what is this, right? And he goes back and remembers the promise that I will make you king if you trust me in my time. Trust me in my time. I, I'll prom- I'm walking you through this process, right? And then when David is able to move into his kingship, he has already walked through all of these trials, all of these moments where he saw God was faithful. God was faithful. God was faithful. God was faithful. And he can walk in that confidence. And that's the same for you and I as we walk in that confidence with God. And I want to invite uh, Jacob up and the worship team because I just want to close with this because there's something powerful that you and I need to know as we think about this in our lives. It says this here in verse 40. This is about David as he's getting ready to head down. It says, he picked up five smooth stones from a string and put them into the shepherd's bag. And this is it right here. If you have your Bibles or if you want to write this down, then armed only with. Think about this. He's getting ready to fight this nine foot Goliath. He heads into the valley, then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling. He started across the valley. This is the principle for you and I. God will use your only to do what only God can do. God is not asking you to slay Goliath. God is asking you to be faithful with what you have, where you are. And in that faithfulness, God is saying, you know what? Then I will show off. I want to move on your behalf, right? And you don't have to carry the weight of making the miracle happen, right? David said, you know what? My faithfulness is doing exactly what God has called me to do. So my question for you and for me is what is your only? Because you may be thinking, God, this is the only, this is, the, this is it. This is all my money. God is saying, being faithful with it. God is saying, these are the only the relationships I have. God is saying, I want you to be faithful with it. God is saying, this is the only job I have. God is saying, I want you to be faithful with it. God, I only have five minutes this week with you. I want you to be faithful with those five minutes, right? God is saying, I only have this business. I only have this job. I only have these tasks to do. God is saying, you be faithful with those tasks. You be faithful with those moments. And when you and I give God our only, do you know when the miracle happened with David? It wasn't when he walked through the valley. It wasn't when he went and collected all the smooth stones. It was when David released those stones. It's when you and I take our only and we release it and we give it to God. Is when we see God move in an incredible way. You know what that's called? That is faith. That is saying, God, this is my only and my faith is in you. And I'm trusting that you will do what only you can do. And in Psalms 23, most people believe that David was reflecting on this verse. And it says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. That's the same promise that you and I have. That even when I walk through the darkest valley. You, I will not be afraid because God is walking with me. And that's the promise that you and I can rest on today. And for you, as I close, I like for all of us to begin to pray. What is our only? What is your only that you need to surrender to God and saying, God, you're right. I, I need to be faithful with this or I need to be faithful in this relationship. I need to reconnect with you. What do I need to trust God with? And trust God for. And so I just want to pray for us. Ask God to continue to speak to our hearts during this time. So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you and praise you so much. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that many of us maybe walked in here today and 
um, kind of questioning and wondering and maybe a fear and worry and doubt of saying, God, I'm not real sure what I'm supposed to do next. God, I pray that you would reposition our hearts to say, oh, God, I'm giving you my only. And I pray that we would rest in that fact. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, God. I pray that you would take whatever we are presenting to you and do what only you can do, and that is change our lives and work through us to help change other people's lives, God. I pray that you would, the Holy Spirit would begin to speak to our hearts of saying, this is what I want you to be more faithful with. This is what I want you to lean into or whatever it may be, God. I pray that we step out in faith and trust God in that moment and surrender to him. God, we love you. We praise you. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, amen. Let's stand and worship together. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.